know you meditate, and I don't know if what I do is meditation. You know, I just try and sit and think, take some time to think. Well, actually, that is a form of meditation. And yes, I do meditate, mostly from listening to meditation on YouTube. Well, you know what else I noticed? I noticed that you do that before you go to sleep at night. And does that help? Well, yes, it does. It's very healing and relaxing. And today's guest should give us all some insight on self-care stuff like meditation and Reiki. You know, I don't know if it helps because I'm already asleep. (laughs) You are. Hi, everyone. Hope you've been having a wonderfully creative week. I'm Rod Jones, and we celebrate what people love to do creatively by giving them a voice so you can learn and be motivated from their life's experiences. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to Thought Road Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we focus on sharing with everyone how they can think, be, and live more creatively with their own passions. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't you tell us who our guest is today? Well, our guest today is Diane Calabrese, and she's a professor of meditations for the mind, body, and spirit, and an author. She's going to talk to us about meditation, Reiki healing, aromatherapy, recreational therapy, and crystal healing. You know, considering the turmoil, and there's a lot of it going on in the world today, um, I suspect there's going to be some very valuable information and insights in this episode. I think we can learn a lot here. Yeah, I think so too. You know what? I also suspect that you are going to share a quote that is highly related to this topic. I am. And you know what? I When I read this quote, I was like, oh, gosh, this is perfect. I think everybody's really going to enjoy this. So here is the quote. Now I meditate twice a day for half an hour. In meditation, I can let go of everything. I am not Hugh Jackman. I'm not a dad. I am not a husband. I'm just dipping into that powerful source that creates everything. I take a little bath in it. And of course, that is from Hugh Jackman, the actor. And I think he's done a few Marvel movies. Wow. You know what? That is an exceptionally good quote for today's episode. And you're more of an expert than I am when it comes to meditation. But to me, it seems like a lot of people are afraid to try it or do it. They, yeah. they, they do, don't trust it for whatever reason. Yeah, I think at first many people think it's either impossible to sit and focus that long or it's a little woo-woo and it's, you know, for the strange, weird people. But it's really neither. You start out by trying to focus and calm the mind, body, and spirit just for little tiny times, like maybe one to two, five minutes, and then you can grow from there. And it's really kind of retraining your mind to calm itself and to calm yourself as well. It's very healing, and it's really interesting to see the thoughts and ideas you get from doing a meditation. Mm-hmm. That kind of does sound like I meditate in my own way. Yeah, you do. And you know what? That's only one of the self-care topics that we're going to be talking about today, right? That's right. So let's bring on Diane Calabrese. I think you are are all going to really enjoy what, what she's going to have to say. Diane, welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We're excited to hear about your thoughts on the purpose of life. I know I am. Yes. Hi, Diane. It's going to be interesting to hear your thoughts on aromatherapy, Reiki healing, crystal healing, and meditation. All exciting. Yes. 
Hi, Rod and Jean. I'm so happy to be here and thank you for inviting me on your podcast. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about it and uh, to talk about my book. Right. Thank you for having me. Oh, <laughs> we're so glad to have you. But, you know, before we officially start the interview, we always ask our guests what they had for breakfast this morning. So what did you have this morning, Diane? Which is a very popular <laughs> segment, I might Yes, add. everybody's gets <laughs> into <really>. the breakfast. <laughs> I guess I must be bad because I don't really eat breakfast too much. I tend to sleep late now that I'm, I, you know, don't work full time. But yeah. um, so I get up around nine o'clock mm-hmm. and I try not to eat for a couple of hours. They say that you should only eat in between a window of eight hours a day. We've been <laughs> so I try about that. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I try to do that. But I mean, it doesn't always work. But today I didn't have anything, but I did have an early breakfast. I had a bagel. <laughs> that sounds um, good. I like- you're in New York, so they have the best bagels on the planet. So yes, yes. They do. <laughs> yeah, I like to have a bagel with cream cheese. That, that's my favorite. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Yum. For sure. Well, Diane, why don't you share with us where you're originally from and where you grew up? Okay, so I still live on Long Island, and I, I was born on Long Island. So um, the town I was born in was Bethpage. And then, uh, you know, I lived in Farmingdale my whole life until I got married. We lived a little bit in Babylon, and then we bought our first house, and it's still our house. <laughs> we never moved in uh, Center Reach. So I'm a little bit more in – I'm in Suffolk County now, so mm-hmm. it's like more eastern Long Island. So, and, um, and so you grew up in Long Island then? Yes. Yep. Yep. So what was it well, like because- as you were growing up in Long Island? Oh, let's say it was very nice. I mean, my parents didn't have much money. Things are different then, you know, so different, you know, than it is now. So it was more simpler, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was fun. I mean, they had a park down the block and, you know, I went to Farmdale High School. I graduated there. There always seemed to be so many kids on the block, which you don't see much anymore. I don't know if people are having less kids or, or not, but. You know, it's funny because you used to be more creative, you know, back in that era, like in the 70s, where mm-hmm. you'd be playing on, you know, on the street and you'd see more activity. And now everybody's in the house. Like my son, he plays Xbox. You know, he's never. So you know, true. So true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> it, it used to be like when you were playing, especially in the 70s, because that's kind of when I grew up as well, Diane. And I remember a during the summer you'd get kicked out of the house for a while and then we didn't want to come back until the lights came on you know the street lights so it was like we were out catching lightning bugs this was in ohio that's not everywhere i'm sure but for you guys i'm sure you stayed out until the street lights came on right yeah yeah yeah. it's you we were very creative with what uh we used to play i remember charlie's angels was so popular back then (laughs) and we would all pick a character of who we wanted to be and we would create this whole scene and (laughs) we were just much very creative in those days and it's just so different from how we bring up children today you know well you're really using your imagination so that's really a cool time to do that when you're a child yeah and you still are yeah you still are it carries over yeah it does i guess it did (laughs) And I didn't even realize it so much, but yes, it does. And and the field I I chose recreational therapy. You have to be creative. Like we have to like have something in our back pocket right away in case something doesn't work with the patients. So 
and we have to kind of like because your job is really to sort of bring out activities for different patients to mm-hmm. you know not just I hate to say keep them entertained because recreational therapists hate that term, but because we're not entertainers. But well, we're we gonna, have you to, know what Diane, we're going to get into that a little bit deeper. But okay, yeah, because I'm really we're really excited to learn more about that. But go ahead, Angie, with your question. Well, I, w- I actually was going to ask her about the journey of pursuing your career. I know that when we talked initially with you, you said you were a recreational therapist. I had never heard of that, and it sounded so interesting to me. And I wanted to find out how you went into pursuing that career to help people achieve a purposeful life. You know, when they're dealing with a lot of things personally maybe physically yeah how did you choose a profession yeah, how, did you choose how did you get there yeah i know it's interesting because i really when i was younger i never really heard of recreational therapy either yeah. i was always in the nursing fields where i wanted to be a therapist but i wasn't sure what exactly in the healthcare field i wanted to be but i had always known as a child i wanted to be in healthcare. Right. i just felt like i was drawn to that you know i wanted to do something. I'm, I'm religious. You know, I, I was brought up in a very religious home. So mm-hmm. I always wanted to do something where I can give back, you know, give back to God, give back to the community. And I worked in a hospital. I worked in Brunswick Hospital and I was an admitting clerk there. Mm-hmm. And it was about 17, 18 when I got that job. And um, just when speaking to other healthcare professionals, somebody told me about recreational therapy. And I go, ah, that's, it was like a light bulb that went on for me. And I said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and um, sure enough, St. Joseph's College on Long Island had that program. So I, you know, went to Nassau Community College for two years. I got my associates. And then I went over to St. Joseph's and I got um, my bachelor's degree in recreational therapy Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in that program, they kind of, you know, it's a bachelor of science. So you get the background of, you know, psychology and science and all the background in that. And then you have to pick an internship and it should be like something that, that interests you. So I, mental health had always interest me, you know, Um, anything in mental health and, and working with kids. So, Initially, that's what I did. I got a job in a group home working with emotionally disturbed children that either were abused or, you know, for some reason, the parents couldn't take care of them, right. whatever um, the situation was. But that was my first job. And I was so content there. And I worked there for a little bit. And then I, you know, moved on to different jobs. Once I had children, I had to, you know, take jobs that worked with my kids' mm-hmm. schedule. Sure. Right, Sure. sure. So, and then I just learned more. I work for South Oaks. I don't know if you ever heard of that hospital. You know, a pretty common mental health hospital that's on Long Island. So mm-hmm. a lot of people have gone there. And I work with kids there, but then I also work with adults. So depending on where the job market was, you know, because I couldn't always work with just children, even though that was in my mindset. But, you know, as you get older, you kind of want to diversify and try something different. And, you know, mm-hmm. So I worked uh, for a few different nonprofit agencies and um, Mm -hmm. sometimes with kids, sometimes with, um, you know, adults. And I work with the autistic populations, developmentally disabled. And with all these jobs, you kind of you have to be very flexible Mm -hmm. because what what population that you're working with would depend on what activity you might do. And sometimes it works very well with 
one group, but it might not work with another group. So they didn't have, like, I'm very into holistic healing modalities now. Right. Um, but that wasn't so popular in the 90s. It was more like recreation was more like, okay, like arts and crafts and maybe music appreciation or or getting the children out on the, you know, field to play kickball or something like that. It was more common mm-hmm. activities. Mm-hmm. So, Diane, I, I want to I ask you this question mm-hmm. because you had quite the journey there. And I think our listeners will want to know, what was your personal biggest challenge when you were going through all those different occupations and helping all those different people? I would say the biggest challenge is probably the behavior issues, you know, when you work with mental health or even with children, it's like kind of dealing with, you know, obstinate children, maybe that they, they wouldn't want to do anything. So we trained like on each agency, how to deal with, you know, different behaviors and different interactions and, and the rules with that change through the years, you know, oh, I bet. Yeah, they had, used to have something called skip training where you would like take them down if they were acting out or, mm-hmm. and then it came to the point where, okay, you're not allowed to do that. So now, you know, you have to just, you know, talk them out of it. Luckily, I wasn't really in any of those situations, but I would say just, you know, kind of working with the, with the patient. My idea was never to force them to do an activity, just find what works, oh, you know. You know, so, you just uh, mentioned a couple of seconds ago, you referred to the term modalities. When it comes to helping people reduce anxiety and stress, tell us about those various modalities. Yeah. I actually, mean, tell us the what word, the word means and how it's applicable <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, anxiety and stress. Everybody seems to have that today. Gosh, and, yeah. um, you know, in the difference is a lot of people that are in a psychiatric unit tend to feel like it hits them that like I'm on a psychiatric unit because I have this. But I say, I always say to them, the difference between you and I or anybody else is that we have coping skills and your coping skills aren't working. So that's what we're going to work on. And, you know, teaching holistic healing modalities, it's not to say that you shouldn't take your medicine or or whatever the doctors prescribe, but it's giving you another outlet. It's giving you something to enhance, you know, so you can go back into the community and see if this works, you know, because a lot of people just think they could take a pill and it'll go away. And it it doesn't always work that way. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we need more, you know. So I wrote a book. My first book was about the different holistic healing modalities that I incorporated. And one of them is guided meditation, mm-hmm. which I think is like the easiest modality to teach with populations because they can just sit and relax where, you know, you don't have to do anything physical mm-hmm. and you don't have to write because a lot of people don't want to write or they don't want to do you like physically do anything. Right. So that just helps them to just relax, just learning great breathing techniques. And there's different, kinds of meditations so you know what works for one might not work for the other another thing is aromatherapy I mean we all like different fragrances and smells so sometimes I would have just a group just on aromatherapy and just let them sample and I would have like little like you know Dixie cups and you put a 
cotton ball at uh-huh. the bottom of the cup. Yeah. And then you put one or two drops of a different, you know, aromatherapy in there. And then they could just smell each one. And we'll talk about it, like how that can help, you know, going through each one and what each one does and what the benefits are. And, and then we talk about which one they like better or so you could always have a discussion group out of it. And then I used to use a lot of, uh, and I teach this too, because mm-hmm. I'm also an adjunct professor. So I, you know, teach Reiki and aromatherapy as well. And I give students different ideas of how they can incorporate that. And sometimes you could incorporate all of them in one group as well, but you don't want to overstimulate, you know. So Reiki is another one that I teach. And, you know, there's Reiki self-healing and then there's doing Reiki on another person, which is considered Reiki too. So in a group, when I work in a group in a hospital, I always just did the self-healing and I would model like the hand placements working from the chakras of the body, Uh the seven chakras of the body. So I would go through each one of those chakras and I would show the, you know, hand placements that they could do. And I would do this while they're sitting in a chair where they could just get comfortable and relax. And, um, I have some, you know, I put on meditation music or some light music in the background. And sometimes, you know, I'll put in aromatherapy and they would just uh, watch me and I would model, you know, and I would also go through the, you know, the history of Reiki and what the purpose of Reiki is. And it's really interesting um, that that really um, helps to refocus people's where they are in their head, probably, and and take them out of that realm where they can be a little bit more distant to their feelings, too, I think is what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's funny because I, there's one meditation I used to do is a body part meditation, like a body scan. And I would notice some of them who really liked Reiki would start doing the hand placements while they're doing, while I'm implementing a body part meditation, oh, interesting. which wow. didn't really incorporate, you know, Reiki, but they wanted to incorporate it because it made them feel better. So <laughs> very interesting. So like so. I also wanted to ask you about becoming an independent author. I'm going to switch it a little bit here because um, I want to go on to the next question here. So tell us about why you became an author, Diane. Well, I retired from the VA. Um, I had an injury. Um, Well, I was, I had, I was diagnosed with spinal stenosis and uh, herniated disc. So I did retire a little bit earlier than I, than I had planned. And then I had an injury at work where I tore the meniscus in my knees. So the physical part of the job as a recreational therapist, I really couldn't do anymore. But I really got into, like I said, the holistic healing modalities. So I thought, well, what can I still do? You know, so mm-hmm. I figured, you know, and I teach too. So I said, well, in addition to teaching, maybe I'll write a book because I know new rec therapists coming out into the field, a lot of times they're lost, like, like there's so much out there, but yet they want to learn about like what would be better for them. Like what, you know, what area they would want to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really so much as you could get certifications in aquatic therapy, you know, 
meditation or or something else, or music, you know. So everybody has a different talent. So I thought, well, I'll write a book on holistic healing modalities, what I liked, mm-hmm. and then I'll incorporate that. And um, because it takes, you know, when you're a recreational therapist, you know, unlike maybe being a physical therapist where, you know, the treatment plan is set in stone or what, what a, thera- a physical therapist might do, Recreational therapist is very different. You have to come up with creative ideas and that has to keep changing because you got to keep them interested because they see you more than they see anybody, more than any other therapist in a hospital. It's usually that you run two groups a day and they, they really get to know you. So you got to change it up, you know? Right. So right. you really, you have to have a lot in your back pocket. So that is one of the reasons why I wrote the book. You know, and I found like when I first started, there wasn't a lot of material on that. So you really were like running as a library and like, you know, trying to see what could I include and, you know, how could I keep this going? Because when you're running two groups a day, five days a week, that's 10 groups and you can't have the same material all the time. So you have to keep changing it up. Yeah, so I always make sure. Yeah, you got to keep yep. it fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know so. I know you're quite knowledgeable when it comes to preventive health care and healing. Mm-hmm. Share with us why you think people should first consider that when it comes to maintaining good health, what they can do for themselves for preventative health care. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually uh, used to run a group just like on health and wellness, which is really just like an educational discussion group, like just very you know, in general, just to give them ideas of what they can do. But it is important just not not only to for, for like your, your physical being for for weight loss and but your mental health, everything's interconnected, you know, right. your mind, body and spirit, it, all of it's connected. And so I just say, you know, take do what you can. Don't rush to be like, you know, the best athlete or the best of anything or the best artist or the best musician just take it light one step at a time and even with meditation if you if that's something that you're interested in you get distracting thoughts that's normal doesn't mean you can't do it like a lot of people want to give up right away oh Mm -hmm. this isn't for me because I keep on thinking about my laundry list or things (laughs) I gotta do exactly so you have to take it slow, even with exercise, you know, you don't want to do too much exercise at once, you know, because you could pull a muscle and your body might not be used to that. So my advice is always to, you know, build upon it, start mm-hmm. small and then build upon it. So enjoy the process and not not the outcome as much as just enjoy the steps you're taking, the baby yeah. steps. Or not get stressed. And and not don't get stress stressed. yourself. Yeah. Yes. That's the first, yeah. first thing to stress yourself on is you trying to do something to de-stress you. Right. Right. Exactly. True. If you overdo it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I know, I know with my personal experience with meditation, I just started doing it because I really wanted to kind of be more centered and take away the anxiety and stress. But what are your three key suggestions for people that would like to start meditating and how they can get more out of meditation? Yeah, I would say first be very patient with yourself because, you know, like I said, sometimes you don't have the attention span. And it seems like lately 
everybody's attention span is shorter. Yes. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's because of the technology we have today, but just be patient with yourself because when you're in stress and you have anxiety, you keep honing in on things that are bothering you, you know, or mm. things that you you get you have to do. So just be patient with yourself, even with meditation, if it's only a few minutes that you can do it, that's okay, you know, and then just start bringing yourself back to what you can focus on. And a good meditation, I would always say, in the beginning is either doing a breath meditation where you just focus on your breathing mm. or just saying these three words to yourself, let it go. Mm. And then um, because mantra, if you say right? that becomes your a mantra. mantra, yeah, at that, those two meditations, I would say are the best for beginners because it's either you're going to focus on your breathing and breathing in through your nose and exhaling through your mouth or just focus on those three words. Because they say when you focus on words, a lot of patients have told me that because that's where your attention's at mm -hmm. is saying those words. So you're not going to be you know, distracted from that. So, and okay. just keeping it short and then building upon it later on. Yeah. Take it like, don't think you're going to do an hour meditation when you're starting. Out. Right. So just take <laughs> it like two minutes or five minutes and, and then yeah. go from there. You know, Diane, it seems to us that it's more and more people are wanting to take care of themselves. They want to self heal mm -hmm. their mind, their body and their spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that approach to health is becoming so popular now? I, it seems to me that if the world is more of a stressful place than it was, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. I just think that there's everything changes so quickly. Technology changes so quickly. And I think there's more on kids today, young teenagers. We were realizing now today more and more that the world is not so big. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. That's very and, true. Um, and I think it does put more stress and competition on other people. And it's just a lot to take in. And I'm a big fan of Oprah. And she always says, you know, she, she mentioned something in one of her speeches that she has on uh, YouTube. And she says, you can't do it alone, you know. You just can't, you, you have, you can't do it without God, you know, and a lot of people think that they can just do things themselves mm -hmm. and you can't, you know, we really need God in our life. We do. Mm -hmm. And part of that is people, sometimes spirituality isn't related to religion or to God. People will say that. I don't agree with that. I think it is. I think they, it is, but they might not know it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But it is important to stay centered to yourself for the purpose of life and why we're here. And it's, yeah, all, so true. All, all those are very important. So true to take into consideration. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to ask you, Diane. We were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I forgot to ask you, what is Reiki healing? We've been hearing a lot about it. And I'm not sure that everyone understands yeah, what Reiki healing yeah, is. Yeah, you discussed it a little yeah. bit, but yeah. I don't think... So if you could let us, you know, share with what us exactly what that's What exactly occurs? Well, Reiki he healing is energy healing. And when I first start, you know, doing a group about it, I do explain that. So we're all made of energy. 
and any matter is made of energy, but we have like a life force energy in us that comes from people. Some people like to say the higher power. Mm-hmm. I say from God, God is my higher power. Right. So we're made of energy and we have, uh, if like within our hands is energy And if you just even like rub your hands together, and this is the first exercise I always make them do to to make my patients understand. If you rub your hands together, you feel heat. You feel that warmth. So when you put your hands together and you keep your fingers closed and you hover over a certain part of your body, you're going to start feeling like that heat. And you can sense like the warmth, like if you just like put it, hover over your knees uh, the knees is a, a, a big area where most people have pain. So if you just hover over that area, you can actually feel the sensation of heat going there. And it does help a lot with pain. So what you want to restore is the balance in your, the, your, the chakra areas. So mm-hmm. that's just one area. But when I do a Reiki healing, I start from the crown chakra and I work through the seven chakras. So you have your crown chakra on top of your head, mm-hmm. which connects you to the divine. And then you have in your forehead is your third eye. So that is connected to your memory, your intuition. Sometimes that's related to pain, such as headaches. When any of these chakra areas are off balance, you're either going to feel it emotionally or physically. Mm. So... Then you would go down to your throat chakra. They say your throat chakra is related to communication. So if you have problems in areas of maybe not getting along with somebody so well or not expressing yourself and it's just not coming across, there might be conflicts in relationships. That can have to do with the emotional part and the physical part could have to do with maybe having an element in your throat area, like Mm. hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. Mm -hmm. So they say when that is off, that you might have an element there. And what, like I said, what affects us physically affects us emotionally. So they say oftentimes when people are having conflicts in relationships and they're not communicating with somebody, you might end up with a sore throat or some type of ailment. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. So it manifests in different areas of your body then if you have conflict or stress or whatever. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that goes to your heart chakra too. The heart chakra can have to do with maybe you're grieving, just lost somebody and you're dealing with grief or physically might have heart issues. And your heart is related to your arms, anything your arms or hands, because that's all throughout your heart chakra. And then you have underneath that is your solar plexus mm-hmm. chakra. Um, and that has to do with anything in the stomach. Like some of us get very nervous or worried about things. Mm-hmm. So when that's off, you know, you can develop an ulcer and things like that. So when you hover over that area, that's aligning you know, that chakra area. And then I, with each chakra area that I would go through, I would hover, they recommend you hover between 
maybe a minute to three minutes mm-hmm. and then move on to the next chakra or change the hand placement. So, so Diane, when you hover, are you supposed to feel heat or, or are you supposed to feel coolness or, or what are happened? you imparting? Um, are you, are you, yeah. Um, are you imparting your heat? How does that work? You're, you're transferring your energy to them to heal their, okay. to their chakra area or you can actually do it yourself too Uh so within your hands you can actually heal yourself so if you hover your hands over that chakra area Uh you're using your own energy to realign your own chakras so it's like transferring that energy to that area and you, you can feel heat sometimes people don't sometimes people will say no it really didn't do anything to me and then other people will say, yeah, I really felt it. It, it made it such a difference. I think the more comfortable you become with the technique and the more open you are to the technique, mm-hmm. the more you'll benefit. So it doesn't mean that it's not working if you don't believe in it, but you could be blocking to the transfer of energy. It's all how you respond to it. That's exciting. So, yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Thank you for and sharing I, I, that. Yeah, and I'm glad you explained you're the welcome. whole process because I don't think. Yeah, because you hear it Reiki here and there and you're like, oh, okay, that's nice. But I don't know that anybody really understand you know, no, what and, they're and, talking yeah. about. And we, we had a psychiatrist on a few episodes ago and he actually mentioned that. He mentioned as Reiki as a, well. Yeah, he mentioned Reiki as well. Yeah. So it's something that yeah. people should probably we can try learn it. more I mean, about or it, it learn about hurt, it. Yeah, for sure. It'd yeah. Be, Diane, before we discuss your book, I would like to ask you this question. Every successful creative person tries to be original and authentic, but there are times when we all have some self-doubt. How do you manage to get through those times? Oh, yeah. yeah, we all have self-doubt. True. I can't, nobody, yeah. nobody could say they don't. We right, all, we true. All At least I agree honestly, with that. they can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we all go through that. And I, I think for me, I always just bring myself back to my faith in God, you know, mm-hmm. and just ask myself, but what is my purpose here? What is my intention? And I think what really helps sometimes when you do get like that, and even other authors or even whether they're ministers, priests, therapists, whatever it is, I think we all go through that, like you said. But what helps me is reading other people's books and other people's stories and other people's inspirations. I think as people, we help one another, like other authors help other authors, other therapists help other therapists. And that's what works for me. And just try to remember what my intention is and have pure intentions, you know, because if your intention, like even with writing the book, if my intention was just to make money or, or whatever it it is there, I it wouldn't work. Like to me, it wouldn't work. Like my intention has to be to help other people. So, setting pure intentions make a difference in the outcome. What a great answer! I remember, it's such a good answer. Yeah. An excellent answer. You know, yeah, um, I remember. This is you know Gary Zukov is such a great author. I love his books, but he actually defined it in a very good way. You know, and. Yeah, so that's what I <laughs> go back to. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, and I want to ask you, because I'm a veteran myself, and I was very interested to learn that you've worked at a veterans hospital. Tell us what you did mm-hmm. and how you helped veterans. Yeah, I worked there for um, about eight and a half years. Um, I was a recreational therapist there, 
and I worked on different units. Um, in in the Veterans VA is so it's so big and diverse, and they have a lot of different units, especially the one in Northport. So I worked different populations. My first assignment was working on the P- PTSD unit, and that was very new to me. It was a new population, although it falls under mental health. Um, that particular population was uh, new, but I really enjoyed that experience. They're dealing with a lot of trauma as a veteran from having been in combat. And that was one of the criteria for them to be on that unit, that they actually were involved in active combat and just coming home and readjusting to everyday life again was hard for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, especially if they were away for a very, very long period of time and then having to, you know, readjust. So I started doing holistic healing modalities with them, but I also incorporated just general activities. They were just happy to get to go to the gym. So we did have a weight room there. We had a pool. So I did aquatic therapy with them as well. At the VA, I had to be a lifeguard in order to be employed there. So I did have to get my uh, lifeguarding certification. And you have, to do, you have to do so many things in your job. It's so interesting. And I know, not only creative, yeah. but you also need to be, you know, a lifeguard just in case someone's, you know, not yeah. doing so well swimming, you know, and things like that. It's very interesting. One of the things that you yeah. mentioned, which I thought was really interesting, is you would have a group of veterans in a room and then you would have different forms or different modalities, as you say, of ways that they can reconnect with themselves like aromatherapy or meditation or crystal therapy. Yeah, to reduce their stress Yeah, anxiety. to reduce their stress yeah. anxiety. The other thing I thought was very interesting is certain veterans uh, would move to certain things that was really, they felt would benefit them, like aromatherapy. I thought that right. was really interesting how they all just didn't go straight to one thing. They kind of spread out in the room and different veterans picked up on, on different modalities. Tell us about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would set up the room just if I was doing a relaxation, sometimes we just called it a relaxation group and we would set up different things like, you know, even lava lamps and, or, and having music on. And it is interesting how you know, in the same room, certain veterans said, oh, yeah, I love the music. The music really just relaxed me. Where mm-hmm. Other people would say, no, I like the meditation. So, you know, within the activity itself, everybody has their own idea of what works for them. Mm-hmm. But it it's not so much, you know, my job, I felt like as a, as a recreational therapist was not to necessarily force that certain activity upon them like this has to be the right way it's for them to discover what works for them individually so we would also have a like a discussion group at the end or sometimes in a different group where we would talk about you know your leisure awareness so what are the and I would have them talk about it like what works for you what works you know I didn't just like do the activity it's always important to have a discussion at the end and for the for them to see where they want to go once they leave here, because, you know, the, it's nice to be in a hospital and to have all access to all these different things like a pool, a gym. And but what are you going to do once you get home? Right. So I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that they had these tools, you know, so they can understand what they can do once they leave. Well, also the benefit, the, the benefit they have there, too, in the hospital 
is they have the camaraderie of still being around fellow Ooh, yeah, veterans. That's true. And so yes. they, they all been there, seen that, done that. So they have strong relationships that they build there. And once they yeah. go home, uh, they're pretty much yeah, by themselves by or on their own. So it's kind of nice yeah. that you taught them these different things that they could do that maybe helps them relax or refocus or maybe even remember the classes they had with you. Yeah. Another thing that they did offer at the VA is they have these different clinics. So when they decide like what they like, when they're discharged, they can join a clinic. And the, and a clinic is like ongoing. It might be like an outpatient. It's like an outpatient service that you would come back to the hospital maybe once or twice a week or however often the doctor prescribes it for. Um, it does have to be signed off by a, a medical doctor. And they would have to have a physical for certain things, but they would have like an aquatic therapy clinic so they could continue using the pool. Like oh, they didn't okay. have to be inpatient. That's really nice. Or, yeah. So there's, a, they have a, a golf clinic because they had a big golf course on the grounds too. So they could still use that as, and it's all free for them. Yeah. You know, they, they, they don't take insurance. It's just as long as they sign up and, you know, want to participate, that's fine. They really do encourage that. Okay, great. So, and I know Angie has a, a question that I'm waiting to hear the answer to. Well, you know, I wanted to find out if a person only has one time to practice a form of self-healing, what would you recommend? And is that something that they can read in your book, Meditations for the Mind, Body, and Spirit? Is there mm-hmm. things in there that could help someone deal with stress or anxiety and, you know, put it into perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it, the book is actually written that you don't have to read it like all the way through. You can skip to a, part, a certain part that you're like most interested in. So if it is like aromatherapy and you want to use that more, you can just, you know, read that chapter and it, it focuses, it, it basically tells you where you can buy the aromatherapy oils, what, the different, say, essential oils would do for you. Because some people like lavender and then other people like eucalyptus. So, And then you can find out what the benefits are from each of them. And then also to find out where they can get the diffusers and what kinds of diffusers there are out there to have in a room. So it's like a a Um, resource guide, too. So not only do you get the suggestion, but then you give where you can buy it or find it. And that's very helpful. Right. Yeah, you know, I'd like to know what your best advice to our listeners would be when it comes to reducing stress and anxiety. What would be your best advice? Um, My best advice probably is to try meditation. I think it's as humans as people. And I think that, you know, guided meditation really, everybody needs quiet time, quiet space. And it doesn't cost any money, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I like about meditation is that you really don't need any money. Cause I mean, if you have music to listen to in the background, that's great. But even just sitting in a quiet space, just contemplating, resting the mind and mm-hmm. just focusing on yourself and yeah, your breathing. And I don't think people do that. Well, not anymore. If they have a minute, they pick up their phone and look at it and scroll through so emails or whatever, media. social media. People really don't yeah. take that time just to sit still and be quiet and think. And that's how you connect with yourself. And you would know that better than yeah, you really, anyone. Yeah. yeah. But also we're going to, we're going to, uh, 
make references to where people could get your book. But if they want to know more about how to center themselves, I suppose reading your book would be a good start. Yeah, that way you can, like, yeah. I, I yes, love the way you yes, have it laid yes. out because you can just take a chapter and read it and it, you don't have to feel like it all connects. You can no, just you do can what pick, chapter. You can pick what excites you the most and then work backwards. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with my second book too, like the meditations. They could just go right to the certain meditation that, you know, captures the interest. Some of them are very spiritual. They're related to like God in heaven. Like, like I have one meditation that's called Heaven's Garden Meditation. Mm -hmm. But some, you know, the people that are not religious may shy away from that. But then I just have a country path meditation. So they could just look at the title and it, and really the title is self-explanatory. Yeah, pick what, pick what you like out of it, I guess, whatever applies to you that resonates. So we'll, we'll put links in our show notes for the book. And your other book as well, the uh, meditations book. So that way we can, um, you know, if you're interested, you can, you know, check it out. But uh, I think now, Diane, we're come to the part of the show where we're going to ask the question that we ask all of our guests. I'm really fascinated to find out what you're going to say. And that is if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? (laughs) Does that mean somebody that's, Past or alive? It can be past, <laughs> present, future, anything. Anything goes. But we need a relatively what? short answer. <laughs> <laughs> I would say my father. My father or my grandmother. I mean, um, my father passed away 20 years ago, and I feel like he's always with me. Oh, you know, yeah. just always in my dreams. I dream about him a lot, and I always feel like he sends me messages. So I would love to know more about what heaven is about from the other side. But um, I've always ha- had that curiosity, even since I'm a child, of what the afterlife life is, you know. Right. So, um, yeah, probably my father or my grandmother. You yeah. know, that that answer comes up frequently, especially grandparents. Grandparents, father, mother. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. I also think that people often say that they feel like they're still being, they're still receiving guidance from them. Yes. Yeah, even though I, they're I not definitely here. Do. Even though they're not here. Yeah. yeah I, I feel yeah. that. I could see that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I could see that. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely feel that way with my father. <laughs> He's always, I felt like when he died, he was my rock, you know, and that, that's how I would describe him as my rock. And it's funny because when my, when he died, my mother said to me, Mm -hmm. he's still your rock, Diane. And I never even used that term. And she said it. And it was just like an affirmation or a confirmation that, you know, that thought had come from him, you know, so. What um, a great thing for your mother to say to you, though. Yeah. That's a lovely yeah. thing. Yeah, they were good parents. They were uh, very good parents. Well, they obviously raved, raised a very good daughter. Yeah. They did a good Thank job. You. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Diane, I know we've come to the end of the show, but I want to say I don't know anyone in the world today that cannot benefit from reducing stress. It seems That's like there's no sure. shortage of that. And you shared some very good strategies on how we all can live a more spiritual life. And we really appreciate your thoughts. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I just hope to help other people. That's what I want to do. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you had me on the show and 
I really appreciate it. Yes, Thank Diane. You so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your personal journey, your thoughts, and how it led you to writing your book and how it's going to be really helpful for people, I think, in the long run. And yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and now comes the time for everyone to know. If you'd like to know more about Diane Calabrese, we will have links for her under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com. So you can learn more about her and connect with her on social media and check out her website and we will have links to her book. So if you're interested, it's there for you. Thank you, Diane. Yes, thank you, Diane. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. Bye-bye. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, both Ron and I would really appreciate you buying us a cup of coffee. Just go to thoughtrow.com, scroll down a bit, and you can find that link right on our website on the homepage. It's really easy to do, by the way. Yes, it is. And all the money we receive goes to our production costs. Yep. And primarily because we want to keep our show commercial free. And we want to continue to bring you the best quality content with great guests. That's right. Thank you for listening to Thought Row Podcast. I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone a great day. 